You're listening to Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness, the fastest-growing natural health, nutrition, and inspiration podcast in the nation. Uplifting stories, powerful messages, and triumph over adversity, the experience of entertainment and encouragement is about to begin. And now your host, Dr. Ward Bond. Our guest today is author Bonnie Gray, who is also an inspirational speaker who developed a global following of readers who come to her for inspiring Christian living content written in her own authentic and unique voice. Now, Bonnie's moving and soulful stories challenge believers spiritually and connect deeply at the heart level. Well, Bonnie Gray's new book, Sweet Like Jasmine, Finding Identity in a Culture of Loneliness, is her most personal to date. Well, a moving memoir about uncovering family secrets, finding true worth, and witnessing brokenness made beautiful that Sweet Like Jasmine celebrates what it really means to belong. Now, growing up as an American Chinese daughter of a mail-order bride and a busboy working in San Francisco's Chinatown, then a long-forgotten birth certificate in an old file cabinet sparked a new journey. And with that, she's going to take us on part of her soul-shaking discoveries about human or about her own identity, human kindness, and what it means to be loved. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Bonnie Gray to the show. Welcome. Thank you so much, Ward, for having me. It's so special to have a virtual cup of coffee with you. Well, I have mine right here, so I'm ready to go. And my first question is to you, because what an amazing book that you have written. And I love books when people just pour their personal stories out into for all of us to learn and to read. But your book, your new book, recounts your journey to make peace with your past. And then you return to Chinatown in San Francisco to find your childhood home and the father who abandoned you. So what did you discover that changed your life? Well, you know, it's really hard to talk about these stories that we hide because we want to fit in. You know, when I was growing up, in Chinatown with this mail order bride for a mom and my father who was here, but they didn't love each other. This marriage that began did not begin with love. And I was, my story started this way. And then my father left when I was seven years old. And it seemed like, why God, why is it so many parts of my story of my life don't seem to fit in with all these other normal people, what I felt were normal. Once I stepped out my door ward, it seemed like, it was a different world that was like American Bonnie. And when I went to church, it seemed like everybody had a beautiful family and I didn't have the father. And even if other children were from divorced families, their father visited them. My well, father never came back. Yeah, well, let me ask you this because, you know, your story is so unique. Did you feel as you were researching your own personal story, your own past, did it just seem like a bunch of fragments that didn't really fit together? And then you were trying to find a way how God's plan worked through all of this? Well, at the time when I was growing up, I did know God, but my faith was such a way that I thought that faith was an eraser. 
like, okay, it's all washed away at the cross. So I really relish the concept that I'm a new creation. But at the time I understood it as anything that was broken, let's just let it go, sweep it under the rug. My past is a past. And I always just wanted to write a new story. And it worked pretty well for me, meaning I kind of looked at, okay, what do unbroken people look like? What's, uh, you know, growing up going to college you know it's the typical overcomer strong you know get through hard times put myself through college and um you know i didn't get married until i was in my 30s but you know try to find that loving husband and have two boys it was only then as an adult when it looked like the outside of my world looked like what i call the cookie cutter you know life it seems like everything is great. It was at that time I started having panic attacks, Ward. I, I didn't understand it at the time, but my body was telling me, you've been through some things, Bonnie, that you've kept to yourself. And the way God designed our bodies, we weren't supposed to hold these secrets indefinitely. When we go through those hard times, we do need to, but God was allowing my body to then express, Bonnie, it's time for you to use your faith in a new way, not as an eraser, but as a way to open up your life, to receive healing and then share that light, that hope with others. I was always sharing the mountaintop experiences, Ward, but I never shared the valleys. Well, let me ask you this, because you bring up a very good point that I don't think most people talk about. And I know the church doesn't talk about it. And you, you know, you're talking about how as we become saved. We become a, a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. But in a way, sometimes we may misinterpret, misinterpret that section, meaning we can't take our past, <clears throat> sweep it under the carpet, hide it in the closet, because if we don't deal with those issues from the past, it can still mold and ruin and manipulate our future. So, for a lot of people, yes, praise the Lord for the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for His grace. But we do need to maybe take some of those things and hit them head on so they don't continue to cripple our walk with the Lord. And, well, he, and I think your book is doing that for you. Well, here's the thing. I didn't understand this until later. I love what you said that we misinterpret it. And I did misinterpret it. Um, you know, when Paul said forgetting the past and to move towards Jesus, the goal, the pressing towards the goal, actually, he wasn't talking about his all of his past. He was talking about his past identity as a Pharisee. He was talking about the way of life where we focus on how things appear. And he said, in fact, I partake in God's suffering. So suddenly that verse opened up just this book is called Sweet Like Jasmine opened up. God is saying, Bonnie, I want you to open up your life. I don't want you to just live by trying to make your life look beautiful and look perfect. I want you to reveal my power in your weakness. Now that sounds beautiful, but it's hard to do. And I have to be honest, I probably wouldn't have gone back to research my past if it weren't for the anxiety and the panic attacks that were happening. Um, because my body was telling me, you can't just pretend like you don't have a past. <laughs> and um, I had just had two babies, Ward, and I thought, oh, oh, 
wow, I get to finally, you know, create this new legacy of faith because mine was so rotten. You know, I don't even want to tell them about those stories. But interestingly enough, God was telling me the legacy of faith I want you to begin is to break family code of silence. I want you to break the leg. I want you to break the old family code of silence and shame. And so it dawned on me. I suddenly discovered my birth certificate board. I wasn't expecting it. Um, I was looking for a birth certificate for my son because any mother that just had, you know, their new baby and has a second one knows you need to put that kid in preschool so you can have a breather while he makes popsicle stick art for a few hours. And so um, when I was looking for his birth certificate, I stumbled on my own and it dawned on me and never occurred to me bored. Suddenly the thought hit me. What are you going to tell your sons when they ask you one day, where is grandpa? Also, when did, when are we going to come, when did we come to America? Like, I don't know, because I, I never found my father. So that was what propelled me. God knows he propelled me to first do it for my sons. But as I later found out, it was really for myself. I need to find him. I need to know where is he? Is he dead or alive? And did my mom keep him away from me? My mom is not a loving uh, mother. And that's really hard for me to say. That's another secret that I'm changing by writing a new legacy of faith. I need to speak the truth because in our culture, I think it's easy to say my father was disconnected from me or my father wasn't there. It's very hard for me to say my mother was not loving. She was verbally abusive. She was emotionally abusive. Well, th that's the thing. And I ha I've had a guest on my show a couple of times, John Finch, who produced a documentary called The Father Effect. And the very things you're saying really fall into line that as, as we grow up, our parents have a very strong impression and impact upon our lives. And as we grow into adulthood, if there are any negative things in the past, we don't technically recognize them till later on, or for some, they may never recognize it because we look at our we look at our parents as oh okay you had me so you automatically know how to be a parent but there was no manual handed to any parent every parent on this earth including you including me wing it per se but praise the lord we have the word of god to follow and knowing how to raise children correctly but as you found this area of your life especially with this birth certificate um how did it impact you? I mean, uh, did you go through negative self-talk that impacted your perception of not fitting in and, and then finding this birth certificate and realizing who am I? For sure. You know, um, the day my father left and uh, a lot of people will identify with this in each of our lives, somebody has left us in my example in my life, it was my father. It can be uh, an ex-spouse. It can even be our children as I, you know, do my ministry now of soul care. You know, people confide in me. My children have hurt me. They have left me, whether it's as they grow up, old, uh, grow up later, or perhaps even as a child, you know, some kids are very angry. And so, you know, when I tell the story, I never knew that it would identify with so many people. I hid it because I didn't want to be different. But the day my father left, I woke up 
to rub the sleep out of my eyes. And as usual, my parents are arguing and fighting. And there, this time though, there are suitcases at the door and it's happening at the screen door. They're yelling at each other, fighting. I have no idea what's going on. The last image I have of my father is him slamming the screen door, peeling off the driveway, the sound of his tire screeching as he drove off is in his olive green Nova. And my mother, she is livid. And I'm like, where is Baba? Where is Baba? Where did he go? My mom said, get over here. She starts pulling out the family photo albums and taking his photos out of the photo albums, the vinyl, you know, plastic jackets, and she's cutting them up pictures of him. And she says, get over here. She puts a pair of scissors in my hand. She's like, cut up his pictures. I don't want any pictures of that man in this house anymore. And as we're cutting up the pictures in the living room, you know, like weeds under a lawnmower all over our living room, I'm trying to hide one picture of my father because I wanted to keep one picture. She caught me Ward and she said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm not in this photo. You're not in this photo. Can we just keep one? Oh, you like your father so much. She grabs me, you know, by my neck collar, drags me across the room. She says, she goes over this back in the time where we used to have phones, you know, on the wall, you know, with the cord. Oh, she yeah. says, go pack your bags, go pack your bags right now. You like him so much. You go live with him. You're, you're, you're moving out of this house. And in that moment, Ward, I stopped crying. I wiped the tears out from my eyes. And I said to myself, Ama, that's Chinese for Ma. Ama, I won't ask any more questions. I please don't make me leave. I, I won't say anything anymore. I, I, I won't cry anymore. It's like that vow I made. And each of us makes a vow whenever we are hurt or abandoned or when we're alone. I said to myself, I don't need to know why. He's gone. I can't change it. And I'm not going to cry. And that was kind of like the code in our family. If you don't have anything helpful to say, just shut up, go to your room or, you know, take something and help out that, that that's the family code I grew up in. And I did, I wasn't aware of it ward, but I carried that into my Christian walk. Okay, God, I don't want to complain. If I pray, I just want to pray for things that, you know, that are helpful for others. I took on that encourager, you know, help others type of mode. And by God's grace, I'm not ashamed of it. You know, God knew I, you know, I needed to be strong. I needed to take that, you know, wear that hat. But God says, we are not to carry that role indefinitely. God says, your feelings matter. How you feel matters. What happened to you mattered. Those questions matter. And so um, when I had to see a therapist, it was very secretive on my part because I was a Bible teacher. I was a Christian author. I didn't want anybody to know. I thought, okay, let me just take care of these panic attacks and nobody will know. And um, the therapist said to me, I always remember it changed the course of my life. He said, well, Bonnie, you just described PTSD because I was waking up choking. I was not worried about anything, Ward. I was just sleeping, just very peaceful. I have a loving husband and um, I didn't want anybody to think something's wrong with some marriage or you know, my, I'm broken. But he said, the fact that you don't know what's the problem, you're having these panic attacks. He said, it's PTSD. And I said, PTSD, I'm not a soldier. I've not seen anything violent. And he said, but Bonnie, did you know that emotional abuse, verbal abuse has the same impact 
as physical abuse. Same as somebody that's battered, except your bruises are not on your skin. They're in your heart. Yeah, and a lot of people need to stop hiding. A lot of Christians need to stop hiding. And you gave the perfect example of what happened to you as a child that carried over into adulthood affected your own Christian walk. You know, I know pastors who preach healing, but they won't dare get caught being in the hospital and they'll hide it and pretend nothing ever happened. But this goes, this is so broad for millions of Christians today. And and it need, you know, we need to be more open. Of course, we need to be careful who we talk to. But at the same time, I think it's a very positive mood for people who may need to go see a Christian counselor, to go see a therapist. That's okay. It's okay to, if you feel that you're, you're having a, an issue, but it's not a weakness. It's actually a strength to step out in faith and say, hey, I need to get this taken care of. That is strength. It's God's grace that gives us that strength. It was his blood that was shed for us. You know, when we are weak, he is strong. So people need to to grab a hold of that. Everybody's got issues. And we all need to address those issues and stop hiding. If, If we're all hiding our issues, it just kind of proves that the church is fake. Mm, wow, 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 wow. You know, oh gosh, I could tell her kindred spirits. That's so powerful because that's that was the second question I asked him. I said, you know, because I was in denial. I don't want to do this. And I said, but I mean, everything's great right now in my life. It's peaceful. I know the Lord. You know, I was like defending myself, you know, Ward. I was like, I have a strong faith. I pray every day. I read the Bible. It's like immediately my defenses come up because like what you're saying, it's like I'm afraid of being judged. And he said, Bonnie, he's a Christian therapist. He said, it's the opposite. It's because it's because your faith has been strong because you've done good girl. You've overcome hard things. Your faith has been strong. Now you have to use your faith in a different way. It just means it's time for you to heal. And so suddenly the shame fell off my shoulders because I realized, okay, if I follow Jesus to the mountaintop and I've been preaching that story, now Jesus is guiding me into the valley. And so I said, Jesus, I will go wherever you take me. Once I heard that, it's not because of my faith is flawed, but because my faith has been strong. Now he wants me to go heal. And I said, I'll tell every story you want me to go and find and explore and investigate. You know, because he's the God of the mountaintop, but he's also the God of the valley. So I said, Mm -hmm. I will share whatever you show me. And that's why this book, it's such a passion for me, because just what you said, there's just so much that we... How do you change this Christian culture of shame? You got to share your stories. It's not just by talking about it. As I was listening to you talk about what your therapist had said, it literally just popped into my head that a lot of people won't seek, as the Bible states, seek wise counsel. Maybe it's a Christian counselor. Maybe it's a pastor of your church. Maybe it's a therapist. If you are avoiding an issue in your life that you need someone that someone is available to help you 
That's, you know, pride is a weakness. Humility is a strength. So by humbling ourselves, facing our issues to go talk to a therapist, we're going to get strength from that. But if we keep running away, there's a sense of pride there that we keep holding on to that's just going to cause us to become weaker and weaker until we finally relent and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life. Well, you know, what's interesting is that um, I, when I asked him, I said, well, why is it happening now? You know, and he said to me, he said, well, you know, a soldier, when he's on the battlefield, he is strong. He's helping others. He's so resourceful and he's getting through the battlefield. When does a soldier experience panic attack? and anxiety. It's when he comes home. It's when he's safe. And so it changed the whole picture. I realized, oh, um, I'm coming home and now I can use my voice. I'm no longer in a place where I am not heard. And so not just um, seeing a therapist, I learned that there's power in listening to our stories. So in my everyday life, I used to lead first with, here's what you do when you're discouraged. Do this, this, that, that. I mean, obviously we still want to give teaching. We still want to give, um, you know, actions we can take. But the first thing I do now is I realize that listening is powerful and healing. And in fact, this world is not good at listening. This world is full of advertisement, social media, and saying, you need this, this, that, that. You need to accomplish something before you have a voice. And God is the God of love. He's kind. He's gentle. Jesus says, come to me, those who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. He doesn't say, come to me cheerful. He doesn't say, come to me happy. He doesn't say, come to me with a plan. So we are Christ. We are living letters of Christ. We are the voice of Christ. So not just about therapy, but the power of listening to our stories. So for those who are watching, if you're in the valley, know that you can be invited to share your stories to those that are safe, those who have walked through that journey. You'll recognize them, and I spent some time with Ward before our show. You'll recognize them because they're the kind of people that will be vulnerable to share their stories with, with you, and Ward is one of those people. Um, and the second thing is when you've already gone through the valley, I want to encourage uh, viewers and listeners, you have a light that only you can share. The fire you've walked through, the, the fire that you've stepped through, that God's carried you through, your story is the very story somebody needs to hear that can bring the light and the hope of the gospel. And so sh sharing our stories is powerful healing. It is. And you have, you have an interesting story because as I was reading parts of your book, something hit me that I never realized with other cultures or even another race. So you were Chinese Bonnie at home, but you were the American Bonnie at school or work. How did you resolve the loneliness of living two different lives and explain to a lot of us from your side of things so we can understand? Because, you know, when I, you know, I don't think of us, most races or cultures living two different lives, but in the Asian community, this is pretty common, correct? 
Oh, yes, yes, yes. I mean, even when we went to church, it was more like a social gathering because um, there are very few people that spoke Chinese. And so the way to kind of engage with your culture is you go to church. It's a place where you can find other people that speak your language. And so I grew up in Chinatown. It's like less than two miles square foot. You could walk it. It's like by the time you've run three uh, laps around the track. That is the size of Chinatown. And yet um, Chinatown was created because we were the only ethnic um, race that Congress had passed an act. It's the Exclusionary Act in 1882 that prevented Chinese people from immigrating here. And um, they wanted Chinese people to stay in this square radius. Um, and so my, for instance, my mother and father, they don't speak English. They didn't even graduate from high school. So you know, we, as far as I knew, I grew up in Hong Kong because everybody spoke Chinese. We ate Chinese. We bought Chinese groceries. You know, like the only reason I knew I was in, uh, you know, I was living in America at the time when I lived in Chinatown was I saw Bert and Ernie on TV, you know, Sesame Street. So I learned to speak English by watching Sesame Street and learning from Bert and Ernie. And the first time I heard English spoken by a real human being was when I was in kindergarten. And so I thank God for Miss Carol. She read a book in English and that's the first time I heard a book in English. And so um, that's why it's like the split identity. Uh, the foods that I ate at home were different from the foods I got from my free lunch. We, I grew up below the poverty line. So I got the free lunch card and, you know, I was eating tater tots and corn dogs. And, um, you know, actually I was pretty popular because all the friends that had like juice boxes and pbj sandwiches they wanted to trade me for my tater tots so um you know it's just interesting because i you know the foods that i had at home nobody would understand those foods so it's interesting you know that's what i meant like i was split um, and then the kind of things like for thanksgiving we didn't eat turkey we ate what's called hot pot which is a chinese version of fondue we had a boiling pot of soup and you put your food in it so i, I don't have those thanksgiving photos to show anybody and so like that's an, another example where it seems like the part of my identity was invisible does that make sense yeah let me ask you this because we're learning you know the american public is learning more and more about the asian community you know we know all about stop asian hate it's also coming uh, more known and more talked about that traditional chinese culture treasured sons more than the daughters with you being raised by your mother after your father left how you know what was life like because did you was were you an only child and how did no, this you know and then how did this cultural value actually affect you oh wow i love talking to you. you're a great conversationalist <laughs> Yeah, my mother said um, she she told me always that I wasn't very uh, worth. I didn't have much worth because she said any type of food she was feeding me or any time she's spending on me, she said it's all going to be wasted because one day I will be married and I'll belong to my husband's family. And so she told me very young that she wished she had a boy. So she would dress me up in blue colored clothes. I never wore dresses. And um, she said, well, you know, the way it worked out, I just had to have you. I don't have a son. So, you know, you need to make sure you take care of me and you need to act like you're a son. 
because I have no daughters. It's my bad luck. It's my bad fortune. So I grew up never really exploring, I guess, who I am as a woman. I just really felt like I needed to perform and make sure that, you know, I was as good as a boy. Um, so it's interesting you asked me that question. That's another thing I guess I was in embarrassed to talk about, but it's good. We're receiving healing now. I'm talking about it. You know, that's well, really how, hard. Well, how, I mean, so if, of course, and this goes back to your mother being a female, she automatically felt possibly from her parents that she was not of worth and her parents thinking, well, gee, we got a girl. That's our bad luck. And, and she felt the same thing about you, but how did God help you embrace your true worth? Well, this is how this interesting thing about the panic attacks. I mean, the, the very thing that I feared my whole life was to be seen as broken. And yet because of that journey, I needed to go find my father and I needed to share these stories um, about my ethnicity, about my identity, what it was like to grow up below the poverty line. And that's that's hard to say because, you know, all the graduate uh, college graduates that I you know, encountered in the workplace at church, I mean, these are stories that are very difficult to share. But I married those two cultures to answer your question is when I started sharing my broken stories and suddenly people of all different cultures started telling me, Oh, this happened to me. You know, my ex, you know, abandoned me or my father was very abusive or my mother was also unloving. And suddenly I realized because I, you can't tell part of a story. You have to tell the whole story about how my mother didn't value me, how she wanted me to be a boy, you know, all these things. It was only when I started these sharing these Chinese American stories, my immigrant stories, which I had hidden because I didn't want anybody to know I was an immigrant because of the anti-Asian hate. Suddenly that is what united me into a integrated whole body. So all my life, I've been Chinese body at home, you know, American body outside. Um, once I got married, I had a Caucasian husband. I married a, a, a blonde haired, blue eyed boy that is from a lumber mill town. You know, I never expected that. Um, suddenly I want, I basically hid my Chinese identity. Once we had our boys, I said, I don't want our kids to feel different. I just want them to be American. So for instance, when my kids were growing up there, they asked me, okay, mom, what race or ethnicity are we, you know, cause you're Chinese and dad's American. I said, you're American. Don't even mention that you're half Chinese. I mean, I don't want them to experience kind of the other different feeling. This is before my journey of sweet like Jasmine. Okay. But after my sweet like Jasmine journey, now I tell them, I go, you just say you are half Chinese American and you are an American and that your mother was born here. Uh, but you're half, half, you know? So it was only through my own journey to embrace my own race. And here I live in California ward. It's very diverse. And yet here in Mountain View, the headquarters of Google and also LinkedIn, a Chinese American pastor was walking downtown in Castro Street and a car drove by with frozen um, soda cans and tried to throw him, throw them at her head to hurt her. And so for me, it really challenged me, gosh, is, are these lies true that I've hidden my identity in the Christian community? Will they also feel like, oh, we don't really care about the story because it's Asian American. Like that was kind of my fear, um, but it's not true. 
because no, it's not true. And, and here's the thing, Bonnie, you may have been, you may have thought yourself as Chinese Bonnie at home, American Bonnie out into the world, but you are Christian Bonnie now. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Exactly. So that's exactly. Okay. You hit the nail on the head. Oh my gosh. You could have, uh, you know, definitely be, uh, you know, the, the person behind this book, because that is kind of the plot twist. I can't give it away, but I realized that my true identity is I am God's beloved daughter and that my spiritual family, that is my real identity. And if that is true, then I am going to share all the stories that Jesus, my loving savior walked me through. And when I share those stories, I'm going to actually feel connected to all my brothers and sisters all over the world, whether whatever color we are. And I finally found the belonging that I always wanted to find. Of course, there's a plot twist. I, you know, as to what my identity was and, you know, where's my father, I can't give it away because we all love a good story. But, um, interestingly enough, I was invited. I was the first civilian invited to lead a soul care retreat to the U S military army to the 101st airborne division, the famed 101st 101st Force Airborne Division that took over the beaches of Normandy to win the war in turning tide of World War II. It was because I experienced that healing journey of panic attacks and anxiety that they invited me. And it was not to the frontline um, infantry, it was to the officers. So I want you to hear everybody what I learned. I want empowered. I'm so impassioned to say it's really the leaders. It's the encouragers. We are the ones that carry so much burden because we carry so much of everybody else that we're caring for. But you, we are the ones that God says you are equally important. Your stories matter. How you feel matters. So no woman or man is left behind. Well, I love that. And, and ladies and gentlemen, sweet like Jasmine. And this is a personal story of Bonnie Gray. But let me tell you something about this story is that you as a reader, um, you are now going to be put in a position where part of you may want to be tempted to hide parts of yourself. But now you're going to find freedom in someone else's story. See, that's why we call it a testimony. A testimony isn't, is, is really just for us to brag on what God has done, taking brokenness and turned it into beauty, just like he did for Bonnie Gray and that he can do for you. And Bonnie, this is what, you know, my favorite books of all times are biographies and even more importantly, autobiographies. It's what I read. I don't read fiction. I read real life. I want to know what people have gone through. I want to know how people dealt with adversity and turned it into victory and triumph. And, you know, even your story, it'd make a great movie. I mean, finding the birth certificate in an old file cabinet and then just letting the journey blossom from there. And I think a lot of us as your book will attest to, we need to embrace the journey and then allow the Holy Spirit to lead us so that way we can truly be set free. I can't put it better, you know, and this is the glory of God since we've had this conversation. I feel safe in telling you and also our viewers and listeners, 
I kind of believed those lies. I didn't know what would happen once I released this story, you know, because I've been rejected um, by my father. I've been rejected by my mother. And it's been a 10 year journey to get this published. But once I shared this news of this book with my readership, it became number one new release in Christian biographies. And the reason why it brings glory to God is that out of the top Christian biographies, 100 of them, this is the only Asian American story of faith. And I want to encourage each person to know that your story is important. This is not just about Asian Americans, but it's saying that every story is worthy to be heard. Every voice is worthy to be shared. And I think that that is the power um, of sharing our stories. And I love how you said the biographies and autobiographies. And we, we want everyone to know this is not a time to stay silent. And in fact, that's how we're going to bring unity. With so much division, it's not just about being upset and angry. And um, Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus says we're all living letters. So sharing our stories is what is going to unite us. And I truly believe that just like right now on the show, I have a brother in you, Ward. And just like you heard my story, you were able to also affirm me and fill in the blank. You said, Bonnie, your true identity is your spiritual identity. So that wouldn't have come unless I'd share the brokenness in my story. And I did write this story to be a gripping novel. I said, this needs to be a page turner because, you know, I love a good story too. <laughs> well, absolutely. And, you know, everybody has a story. Some people's stories may not be as dramatic as others, but everybody has a story to tell. And, and just like yours, <clears throat> and you being an inspirational speaker, a Christian writer, and having that story, and, 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 I, and I read so many of these books to, to interview so many wonderful people, but I always tell them, and I'm going to tell you that when I read your book and read their books and to read their story, a lot of times that story isn't just about them. It's about the reader walking through their own shoes, walking through the person who wrote the book, walking through their shoes and then learning life lessons along the way through the other person's eyes that we were never taught growing up. So Bonnie, sweet like Jasmine, I know is not just your story, but it's a life manual for many readers that are going to have an eye-opening experience and, and we can both agree a true new life in Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to thank you for being a guest on my show. This is fantastic. And you're welcome back anytime. Oh, thank you. What a warm, warm, warm brother in Christ you are. Bless well, you in your ministry. God's definitely using your gifts. Uh, you have well, the spirit of discernment and wisdom and, you know, words, which is beautiful. All those three combined it's a power well, of listening. You're a great listener. That's healing. That's well, healing to all our viewers and listeners. Well, you Ray is an inspirational speaker and podcast host of Breathe, the Stress Less podcast. Bonnie touches thousands of lives every year using storytelling, soul care, and prayer. She speaks passionately on topics of women's wellness, spiritual growth, prayer and meditation, healing, creativity, and finding God in the daily grind of everyday life. Be sure 
to listen to her podcast and please get her new book, Sweet Like Jasmine, Finding Identity in a Culture of Loneliness. Go to thebonniegray.com to get her brand new book. I will promise you, you will love it. Now remember, to catch every episode of the Dr. Ward Bond Show and my life-changing wellness podcast, just hit subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. And if I can ask you a favor, please take 30 seconds and rate the show on iTunes. And thank you for doing that for me as we want to bring you the best show possible and the best guest, just like Bonnie Gray. Well, go to drwardbond.com and find out more about our daily television show, our weekly radio show, and of course, our two podcasts. Thank you for watching and listening. And remember, something spectacular happens when you treat your body right. Have a blessed day, everyone.